All right, bradcooney.com in association with HCN Networks is absolutely honored to have on board the host of the Tommy Lauren Show, which can be seen on the Blaze TV and this channel 212, Miss Tommy Lauren. Thank you so much for joining us. Of course, Brad, anytime. We are op just absolutely thrilled to have you on board. Um, and we appreciate you having us on your show too the other day. It's a lot of fun. Um, let's touch on Colin Kaepernick right out of the gate. Um, <laughs> this guy's created quite a stir. Of course, me and you talked about this the other day. Um, from sitting down during our national anthem to the socks depicting our law enforcement as pigs just setting a terrible terrible messes out there for people give me your thoughts on that just just kind of just kind of run through that for me real quick and then we'll move on well sure and you know this started as, as one man um exercising his first amendment right which i have always said i stand behind his right to do it but there's a difference between having a right and being right and in this instance i think that he was wrong i think he also betrays his own message when you're talking about a group of people that he feels or that he perceives are oppressed to, to stand up to, to everyone in this nation and, and to say that our country represents oppression. Um, I think that is a slap in the face to those, especially in the civil rights movement, that works so hard for all the rights that African Americans now have and that are continuing to fight for, you know, in whatever realm of justice they feel has not been served. Um, that flag represents something bigger. It represents the triumph and the struggles, and it, it represents how far we've come and how far we have to go. Uh, sitting during it, it, I don't understand how that's advancing his message whatsoever. Um, but beyond that, he has now set a model for others. Um, we know that soccer star Megan um, Rapino now has decided to kneel um, as a tribute to gay rights, and, and there are others as well that have taken cues from Colin Kaepernick and now are using it to disrespect our flag and our anthem. And um, that's not the message that I, as an American, would ever want to send, and I would hope that that's not the message he wants to send either. You know, now I'm reading that the Seattle Seahawks actually the team, the players actually talked about the whole team not standing up. Um, I'm not sure if you saw that report, but I saw it a few. Oh, yes, I did. Yeah. Let me, let me tell I you something, if, if they do that, if they, and I'm a big football fan, I'm saying on the record right now, if they do that, I will boycott the NFL the entire season. I won't watch one game. Well, what a message to be sending, especially when a whole team, I mean, I'm wondering as well if there are white players in that team, are they not allowed to join the movement? Because we know that when, when African Americans talk about an issue, they believe that they have a monopoly on that issue and that they are the only ones that are able to express some sort of oppression. So I'm wondering if, you know, the white team members are going to be excluded from their little stunt. Um, overall, we just want a message to send. Um, what a, a divisive message to send the United States of America that somehow it's black versus white, somehow it's the oppressed versus the privileged. Um, if we're trying to move any step towards equality or having a conversation this is not the way to do it mm -hmm. you know i also read in a few different sources about a hockey team where the coach said if you don't stand for the national anthem you will sit for the game did you see that report i did and you know what and people are saying oh that's not american that doesn't represent the first amendment actually it does because he is the coach he's able to make that decision so if he feels that sitting for the national anthem does not 
represent his team in a great light. That is his decision as a coach and, you know, really an expression of his first amendment rights and his rights as a coach to say, hey, you know what, if you want to sit up just fine, but just know that on my team there are going to be consequences. Uh, I support that. I also think that it's, it's brave of him to stand up when we know now the sports world dominated by the likes of ESPN, which is ABC, which is Disney, has, well, um, has become so leftist at this mm. point. What a good message for him to stand up and say, you know, I in the sports world am not going to stand for this. It's a breath of fresh air because the, the, the whole media, the whole, I mean, anything to do with TV and radio, with the exception of your show, Mark Levin, there's a couple, and I, I think on a handful, on one, one hand I can count them, um, but the rest are just so politically correct, PC bullcrap. Um, this is a breath of fresh air, this is hockey coach. All right, so Black Lives Matter movement, this was something that you had actually um, really caught fire you, with, your, with your opinion on this. And a lot of people was introduced to who you are based on your opinion of this of this movement. So I wanted to get your thoughts a little bit. You know, um, some of the some of the videos that I've seen of this movement chanting just pigs in a blanket, frying like bacon, and and um, what do you want? Dead cops? When do you want them? Now? These are disgusting, hateful chants that this movement. Um, chants and preaches all over the place. So, what what are your thoughts on this movement, and are they making any difference in a positive light whatsoever anywhere? No, I don't believe so. And I have said this many times. I think the movement at the outset uh, had good intentions. I think that they were based on a false narrative. We know that this movement sprang out of Ferguson. It sprang out of the hands up, don't shoot storyline, which is now proving false time after time, but they still use it, the hands up, don't shoot narrative with, with Michael Brown and Ferguson. Mm-hmm. Then they proceeded to take something that they felt was a perceived injustice with the loss of Michael Brown, and they turned that into riots and looting, and they turned it into violence. Uh, at that moment, they lost all of their credibility. I don't know what CBS ever did to them. I don't know why they want to burn down CBS and hurt their neighbors and their business owners and their communities. Uh, you lose every bit of legitimacy when you turn to, to those methods and you mask it under this concept of hands up, don't shoot, or black lives matter. I think that we saw it again on Baltimore. We saw it in, in New York City. We saw it in Baton Rouge. We saw it in St. Paul. We most recently saw it in Milwaukee, where there were actually videos of black people in Milwaukee saying, if you see a white person, beat their ass. Beat them down. If you see a white person walk past you, you beat them down in the name of Black Lives Matter. Lost all their legitimacy. And you know what they say? They like to come at me saying, oh, well, that's just a few people. That's not everyone in the movement. Eh, maybe so. But I have not seen anybody in the leadership of Black Lives Matter come out and denounce that. Mm-hmm. I have seen nothing but the perpetuation of this narrative. And it's getting uglier and uglier and uglier. And they've been so emboldened by the Obama administration, by the Justice Department, by Hillary Clinton, by Loretta Lynch, by Eric Holder and Obama himself, but now they feel that they can do and say whatever they please under this guise of social justice and get away with it and be celebrated for it. When the Obama administration sent White House dignitaries to Michael Brown's funeral, I, I didn't. I, I was. I, I couldn't get my head around that. Um, this guy just minutes before the altercation with the officer strong-armed a store clerk. Um, robbed the store and then minutes later you know bum rushed a cop and he paid for it with his life and his funeral gets dignitaries from the White House the narrative set there is just 
I just sometimes I think I live in a twilight zone, Tommy. Well, these are the martyrs that they've selected for their cause. Felons, thugs, gangbangers. This, these are the martyrs for the Black Lives Matter movement. These are the people that they're holding up. Felons. I mean, that says, really says it all right there. But the Obama administration, I mean, uh, I love in Dallas, and it was sickening to me when President Obama came to the funeral of our five fallen officers ambushed at a Black Lives Matter protest by a shooter who confessed that he was doing it in the name of Black Lives Matter. Okay? Obama comes to Dallas, and during a memorial service for our officers, a funeral, if you will, and he mentions Alton Sterling's name more times than he does the five fallen officers. Unbelievable. If I had any respect for President Obama, I lost it all at that moment. I think that a lot of residents in Dallas, black and white, did as well. Hmm. Yeah. You know, recently the, the uh, chief of police in Dallas just retired. Um, what a great guy. This, this, this guy right here, I wish he would run for office one day. I would as well. He was a unifier. And something that mm -hmm. he said that I wish that President Obama would say is, is he's African-American and he said to the community, he said, listen, if you see some kind of injustice in your community and you feel like black communities are being oppressed or they're not being adequately protected and served, sign up for the police force. We're, we're taking applications. Mm -hmm. Come on out. Come out into the force. Instead of sitting there and moaning and groaning about it and shooting each other and, and being in gangs and being thugs, why don't you come out and be a police officer? But it's funny, you know, I don't know if that message was as well received as the Black Lives Matter message. Yeah, it's, it's so true. And it, it's like getting back to the Kaepernick thing, sitting down during our national anthem, anthem doesn't do anything in my opinion. I mean, raise awareness. I mean, we're already, the country's already aware of what goes on. And I also think that the, the whole concept of police brutality it happens once here and there but but when you look at the numbers how many arrests are made across this country in a month and how many of them result in a cop shooting somebody um an unarmed african-american so it's minuscule it's so so the, the percentages are so small and the media flames it um and kaepernick sitting down it's just it's uh, i just get frustrated tommy i don't i don't even know I don't even know where we're going. Yeah, I mean, I can actually, I can give you some statistics because this is something that they don't want to admit. You know, I talked to Alan Combs about this the other day, and you know, he's a great guy. He's a liberal. He's a good guy. He's a well-meaning moron, but he's a good guy. So he was telling me, like, Tommy, don't you think that the black people are oppressed in this country? Don't you believe? And I said, you know what? To be honest with you, Alan, I, I don't. I, I don't understand how they feel that they're oppressed. Please let me know why you feel they're oppressed. And he said, well, you know, the number of, of African Americans shot by police is, is higher than that of white people. And I said, okay, but have you looked at the rest of the statistics? Have you seen the number of African Americans that are involved in crime? you look at that number and you look at the number of encounters, anytime you have officers responding to a high crime area that tends to be a minority area, you are going to have more officer-involved shootings mm -hmm. and more deadly force used because they're going to where the crime is. Right. Another statistic they don't want to they don't want to acknowledge: a the police officer is 18.5 times more likely to be shot by a black suspect than a black suspect is to be shot by a police officer. But they don't want to acknowledge that either. You know, and also, I'd like to see the stats. How many of these cases were as a result of resisting arrest, um, not complying, even running and fleeing? Because when you run and flee from an, from an officer, the adrenaline gets high. I think I'd like to see those numbers because if, they, if people would just comply, and even if their civil rights were violated, even if there, if there was a case where there was police, police brutality, Live 
live for another day. Just comply, and if you think you were, you know, unjustly treated, take it to court. Don't die. Well, isn't that great that we live in the United States of America? Something that Colin Kaepernick certainly doesn't get, because in this country you have legal recourse mm-hmm. for things like that. But the problem is that it doesn't matter when there's legal recourse, because we've had grand juries for Darren Wilson and for other police officers, all of them involved in the Freddie Gray case. We have the legal recourse, and then it comes back after a grand jury decides, hey, listen, the police officer acted justifiably in this situation. They don't want to take legal action because they know that they're wrong. Right. Because the truth hurts. So they would rather become martyrs to the cause. That's another one. They, and they like to point to some of these off-the-wall cases to me. They go, they go, well, what about Tamir Rice? What was he doing? He's 12 years old. No one wants to see a 12-year-old kid die. But he was around in a park aiming an airsoft gun at people and running around pointing it at people. And someone called the cops because that's not normal behavior. And somebody in that park feared for their lives, so they called the police. And, and could they have responded better, more appropriately? I'm sure they could. But let's talk about parenting as well. You can't let your kids run around and act that way, unsupervised at 12 years old, and think that that's acceptable because at some point there's other people that are responsible for these kind of actions, these kinds of activities. It all starts at home. And this glorification of resisting arrest and being combative with police officers that's the goal now. Mm-hmm. It's the goal to get a reaction out of a police officer because you can make a, a video on your cell phone and all of a sudden you're all over CNN and MSNBC as some kind of hero. Not to mention these, these BB guns and these air pellet guns look just like Glocks. They, they, they look mm-hmm. very, very similar to real 9mm. Okay, um, I have a question from Facebook, um, one, of your, one of your fans wanted me to ask you about the millennial situation um he wanted me to ask you personally since i guess he considers you a millennial um how did you <laughs> become so awesome basically what he's asking is so so many millennials like me and you were talking about in your show uh, a few days ago a lot of them are disconnected and a lot of them their patriotism's watered down they're just so disconnected from american Patriotism. He wants to know. This social side person wants to know. Where does your patriotism come from? What are your your values and your conservative values? Well, to be quite honest, my, my parents raised me not in a way to make me be conservative. My parents happen to be conservative, but they never ramrodded it down my throat. My, my parents are not political in the least. They're hardworking Americans. So I watched my parents go to work every day. I watched them bust their butt. I watched family members that I had in the military. My, you know, my uncle received a Purple Heart shot in the leg in Vietnam. My mm. grandpa was World War II paratrooper and, and fought in Iwo Jima. Um, I come from a family that respects authority, a family that respects sacrifice, that respects hard work, that respects earning your way. I was an only child. I, I worked from age 13 for the babysitting. I worked full-time in the summer through high school. So I was taught that if you want to get places in life, you have to work hard for it. And I was also taught that that feels better than being handed things. And I want everyone to feel that. I want everyone at the end of the day to feel what it's like to accomplish something. That's why I'm a Republican. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone handed me my paycheck for nothing, to be quite honest with you, I wouldn't feel fulfilled and I wouldn't feel like a full human being. So it's hard for me as a millennial to look at other millennials that they'd expect their college to be free, that expect their livelihoods to be free, that expect to work four hours a day and make $100,000 a year. Yeah. It frustrates me. And I will point them out at every turn because I don't honestly, in their heart of hearts, I don't think that that's what they want. I just think they're taking the path of least resistance. Mm-hmm. I agree. 
Okay, so let's move on to this race, this presidential race we got coming up. Um, Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton. I guess, give me your prediction. What? How do you think this thing's going to turn out? It seems like the polls are closing a little bit, but Trump's still got some work to do in the, in the battleground states. Um, what does Donald Trump need to do, in your opinion, to pull this off? I think Donald Trump's got a little bit of learning to do. I think he's starting to do it, though. I think the last couple weeks of his campaign have been shining stars. Um, I'm very happy to see where it's gone. I think if he just learns a little bit more, a little bit more, and, and really brings it at those debates, really shows that he's an intelligent guy and puts his best foot forward, I think he's going to win this thing. Um, he would have asked me that two months ago. I would have said he's got no shot in hell. But... Mm. Hillary Clinton is imploding. Not only are her scandals starting to, be, to come to light, even the liberal media can't ignore them at this point. They are so bad, and they are so egregious and so blunt. Even CNN, ABC, MSNBC, they're having to point them out. I know. Also, the woman is not a sound mind and body. I mean, if you look at her, look at the, the commander-in-chief forum last night. She looked like she was going to fall asleep. Mm -hmm. The other day, she's having a coughing fit for two minutes, and she, like, spits up into her water. This woman is not stable in mind or body. Uh, she's going to implode. Just let her Just let her keep talking because she can't talk without lying. And people are starting to get smart to it. They're starting to be able to point out her lies. Mm -hmm. um, I think Donald Trump, if he just learns and does his best at those debates, I think we've got a real shot here. I think bringing on Kellyanne was huge. Oh, she's great. And she's a Ted Cruz girl. You know, know. She worked on the, on the Cruz campaign, worked in the Cruz pack, and she was critical of Donald Trump. I mm -hmm. love that. People are saying, how could you support him? You used to say bad things about him. That's what Donald Trump needs is a no person. He yeah. needs someone that says, hey, listen, Trump, I get what you, I get your thing, I get your performance, I get your bombastic personality, you need to rein it in, you need to pay attention. And Kellyanne is the woman for the job. Yeah, she's she's fantastic. I was a Ted Cruz guy too. I I, I rode with him all the way till he till he dropped out. Um, that's the way the ball bounces sometimes. Okay, so I have another question from Twitter. This person he wanted to get your thoughts on polls. Um, he this person believes that the well some of the other media might be skewing these polls. Do do you believe that? Do you believe that some of these polls are slanted? towards Hillary. Oh, 100%. And, and here's how I know that. Because the pollsters oftentimes, it depends on you know, the method in which they, they poll, but the pollsters go out and they say, they, they almost demonize voting for Donald Trump. If you say you're voting for Donald Trump, they kind of look at you sideways like, oh, mm. racist. Uh, I've seen it. Because I've, I've also seen the way the media characterizes his rallies. I've been to a rally, actually, and uh, here in Dallas. And I remember going to the rally, and I remember Donald Trump commenting on that. He's like, listen, I, I go to these rallies, and I've got thousands of people that show up. They packed the venue. They're overflowing outside. And then he said, watch the news media. We'll say that the overflow crowd that couldn't get in are protesters. Sure as hell. The next day, I saw people out there in, in Make America Great Again hats and Trump buttons out in front of the venue that couldn't get in that wanted to, and they labeled them protesters. Wow. So that's the way the media does it, because they want, they want to make you feel badly for being a Donald Trump supporter, because they've conflated his name with racist bigot. It's mm. not fair. It's not right. But I think that there are a lot of Americans out there that they might not say they're voting for Donald Trump because they don't have, I guess, the, the desire to be social pariahs. Mm -hmm. But when they go into that voting booth, it's just them and their ballot. And I think that they're going to cast their vote for, for Donald Trump, because I can't see how anyone could cast their vote for Hillary Clinton at this point. I think there's about a f maybe three to five percent pro-Trump 
voter out there that's not showing up right now. I think they're lying in dormant. They're quiet. They're not telling anybody what they're going to do. But when they get out and vote on voting day, I think he's going to get about a three to five percent bump. Oh, I do as well. And it's just, you know, it's going to be all about turnout. And people aren't excited about Hillary. That's another thing. Even Democrats are not excited about her. They were excited about Bernie. You know, yeah. you know, God rest his soul, poor guy. But uh, they're not <laughs> excited about Hillary, so I don't think they're going to turn out. And I, the only reason, in my honest opinion, the only reason that Bernie has come out now to support Hillary Clinton is because he doesn't want to mysteriously disappear. Right. Yeah, that's that's another. <laughs> I'm glad you went there, Tommy. Um, that's a really interesting. Um, how, what do you want to call that? Um, well, look at the body count. The Clinton body count at this point is you can't ignore it anymore. At this point, it's so bad that it's like you know there's something something going on here. What was the most recent one? Wasn't it was it a a DNC guy that that would turn yeah, up? Yeah, the DNC staffer that they believe was responsible for leaking that information. And yeah. then all of a sudden he he's found stabbed in the back, and they say it was a robbery, but his wallet and his watch were found on his person. Right. So it was a robbery in which they took nothing. Uh, I don't buy that. And was there anything to the story I read about the Iranian nuclear scientist that was outed? Allegedly, his name was was outed in, in Hillary's emails, and he he ended up getting executed in, in Iran. Did have you heard that? I have heard that, and you know that doesn't surprise me at all. But that's kind of an ongoing thing. I think a lot of those scientists right now, especially those that are you know working for Israel or have any Israeli interest, they get off pretty quickly too. So yeah, once they're exposed, it sounds like conspiracy theory, but you get enough evidence behind it, and it's really hard to annoy ignore because this stuff is not all coincidence. At the end of the day, when you've got a rap sheet that long, you know the FBI director James Comey's taken some heat, and I believe rightfully so. Um, it's really, as these days go on, and the more these emails come out, and the more evidence that's surfacing, um, uh, just just how inept and corrupt Hillary Clinton was with classified material, Comey's looking worse and worse and worse. Give me your thoughts on on the the non indictment that that he pulled off here. It was incredibly difficult. Um, I think she should have been indicted, but it was incredibly difficult because you had to prove intent. Now, that's, that's hard to prove. And she made it in such a way during her FBI interviews, as we now know because the, the notes are released in part, that she played this thing just like she knew how to do it, like a lawyer, like a slimy person blaming it on her aides, pretending she didn't recall information, and mincing her words very, very careful in such a way to, so that they couldn't get her for intent. Now, here's the deal. I think she should have been indicted, but I think it's better this way. Because if she weren't to be indicted, then it would be, oh, well, this is a right-wing conspiracy, mm. this is so wrong, whatever, what have you, and she probably wouldn't be convicted anyway. This way, we've got him saying she was extremely careless. We've got FBI notes coming out now saying that she didn't know what he meant classified. We've got information coming out about the Clinton Foundation and taking meetings and pay-to-play. All this stuff is going to come out, and it's better. Let her skate. Show. Show that the Justice Department and, and the way that the justice system works does not touch Hillary Clinton. Show that there's a different America for Hillary Clinton. Voters see that. All these voters that want an outsider that don't want a D.C. bureaucrat like Hillary, they're watching and they're paying attention whether there's an indictment or not. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of information to spread their mind. Right. A couple more things, and I'll let you go. I know we're getting up against the clock. What are your thoughts on Julian Assange? Um, good? Bad? Think he's good for America? Bad for America? There's, there's people with mixed feelings about him. You know, I, I have mixed feelings as well. 
well. But, you know, I'm not someone that can pick and choose. Obviously, I'm very grateful for the, the DNC leaks and the, the leaks about your know, revelations about Hillary Clinton and the rest of the folks over at the DNC. So uh, in, in that way, you know, I look at them like, hey, you know, good for you, buddy, because the, the mainstream media isn't doing their job. Right. We do need, we need judicial watch and WikiLeaks to give us information anymore. But back during the Snowden uh, time, uh, it's a very tricky, very tricky thing. Uh, I think our national security needs to be protected. I think that whistleblowers are an important part of the process, but I didn't like the way the Snowden thing went down. I think that, you know, he's neither good nor bad. Um, does good things I agree with, does bad things I, I disagree mm-hmm. with. But overall, I, I know every, every organization and, and every media has to have a black hole like that or, or a dark side something that's going to bring something to light. And he might be a, a villain in a way, but he's also bringing a lot that needs to be brought out. So um, mm-hmm. I guess I, I, can't, I can't go one way or the other yeah. on him. I feel the same way. It's, fair, it's a fair answer. I, I've got mixed feelings. I'm on the fence because there's good and bad in, 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 on both sides. Um, well, one last social uh, media question. Um, what are your long-term goals in life, and where would you like to see you in your career in 10 years? Uh, long-term goals, um, very simple. I just want to be happy. Sure. I want to be happy, and I want to be able to speak my mind. I never want to work anywhere that makes me dilute or filter what I say and do. Um, I'm very lucky that I work at The Blaze because mm-hmm. I can say the things that I say. How I worked at a mainstream network, even if I worked at Fox News, I could not have done those Colin Kaepernick final thoughts. They would have told me it's too controversial. They would have told me it would ruffle too many feathers, and I couldn't speak my mind. So my goal is to always be somewhere that allows me to be me and allows me to tell the truth. And that'll bring me a lot of happiness. Um, it, eventually, that might mean going out on my own, striking out on my own, and doing digital. That would mm. be interesting. I think that's the way we're going now. I mean, you know, as someone that hosts podcasts. Sure. The way media is going is, is certainly changing, so I'm ready to ride with it. Um, I have no idea where it's going to take me, but I'm, I'm excited at the possibilities. And last thing I got for you, I got a little taste of this as as uh, collateral damage. When you retweeted my, my tweet about the Colin Kaepernick, of course, it was a picture of the U.S. Marine and my thoughts on the young lady who <laughs> was disrespectful. Um, I got a little taste of your trolls because um, you retweeted me, which I'm very grateful for. Um, I probably blocked more people in two days than what's in the number of my entire followers, um, which I'm fine with. How do you handle the trolls? You have you have a lot of love, a lot of fans, but you also have a lot of really mean spirited trolls out in Twitter. So what do you what do you do to handle those people? You have to learn to laugh it off. You, you really do. I mean, I look at some of these things. Oftentimes, the tweets and the, and the Instagrams and whatever else, oftentimes they're, they're so poorly misspelled and they're so grammatically incorrect and they're so infantile. <laughs> I look at it and I laugh. I'm like, listen, people, you can't spell simple words. You can't spell simple words and you expect me to take any kind of influence or, or make any kind of decisions or feel any sort of kind of way about myself based on that. No, I'm okay. And, and luckily for me, most people don't form, like, coherent arguments. They just tell me I'm um, all kinds of names and they make fun of me for reasons that have nothing to do with what I'm saying. So, yeah, at the end of the day, if you're not ruffling some feathers, you're not doing your job. There you go. Well, look, we really, really, really appreciate you coming on board this podcast. We're just honored to have you on. Big fans of yours. Um, I guess give me some closing thoughts and if there's some... Um, if you want to tell your, your the people listening to this where they can follow you on Twitter and, and see your show, you can go ahead and do that now. Sure, it's pretty simple. Um, my show is on at 
7 p.m. Eastern on The Blaze. You can stream it at theblaze.com slash Tommy. So you can get us on Roku and stream us. Or we're on a lot of cable networks as well. I think you mentioned our, our Dish Network at 212, Place to Watch Me. A lot of the stuff that I do is going to be on Final Thoughts. It's going to be, um, people, if you just Google Tommy, you'll find me. It's pretty simple. C-O-M-I. Check out the Facebook page. Check out my Twitter. You can probably find me if you just... Google, like, white, blonde, conservative, angry. <laughs> I'll probably pop up for you. It doesn't, it doesn't take too much searching. Awesome. 